0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Voice of Pancreatic Cancer podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Weinberg, with the Sina Magowitz Foundation. And if you're not familiar with the Sina Magowitz Foundation, we're a nonprofit that's committed to the awareness, prevention, and cure of pancreatic cancer. I'm excited today to be joined by Dr. Erkut Borizansi from Honor Health Research Institute. Dr. Borizansi, welcome.
1: Hi, Miranda, thanks for having me on today.
0: Well, thank you for being here. Uh, We're gonna be talking about an incredible study Um, But before we jump into that, I want to first thank our sponsors. Without you guys, none of the work that we do um, would be possible, including the study that we're going to be talking about today. But before we get into that, Dr. Borzanti, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your background and what brought you there to Honor Health Research Institute.
1: So, Miranda, uh, I'm, so my name is Erica Borzansi. For those that don't know, I'm a medical oncologist. I'm a clinical investigator and also deputy director of oncology at Honor Health Research Institute in Scottsdale, Arizona. I also have associate professorship at TGen or Trans- Translational Genomic Research Institute in Phoenix, Arizona. And my focus is on taking care of individuals with pancreatic cancer. I also have a focus on developing clinical trials by taking the best science in the lab and bringing it to people. And we initially do these trials through what we call phase one studies, where it's the first time a a drug or an intervention is seen or given in, in an individual. And then we bring that to later studies called phase two studies and phase three, where we hope to see that intervention eventually be led to approval. My background uh, comes from uh, growing up in uh, Louisiana. Uh, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm a big LSU Tiger fan. Uh, We had a great football season a couple years ago in 2019 uh, when I got my undergraduate degree at LSU. And I also went to medical school at LSU along with doing my residency and fellowship training uh, at LSU. Over there too, I also did obtain a master's of molecular biology. And that was really, really helpful for me to understand what we're doing from a scientific perspective, especially as it relates to cancer. And it was really eye-opening to see some of those really major landmark studies that were being published uh, years ago, uh, seeing them in, in individuals with various diseases, including cancer so that's where i'm from
0: and uh, what drew you to pancreatic cancer specifically then
1: so i during your residency training you undergo various rotations and you get exposure to various fields of medicine so I, i i knew early on that i wanted to go into oncology because i had experiences from a personal perspective of seeing someone suffer and deal with cancer. When I was in residency, I uh, early on my second year, uh, it was back in August of that year, I saw a young woman get diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And this was when I was on the consult service for oncology. It really struck close to me uh, because this individual was in their late 30s and she had a, a daughter who was the age of my daughter. And so I remember this individual and later that year in November, I saw that individual hospitalized and she uh, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, stage four pancreatic cancer. And she unfortunately passed away shortly thereafter. And this was an individual who was young, who had a family and who suffered and passed away very quickly from this cancer. What I, what I realized was that this was a very tough cancer. And I realized that there's a lot to be done in it. And I knew about the science that's been developing over the years, that if we could just bring that to people, we can do a much better chance of helping them out. And so I had a couple of individuals um, who had encouraged me to pursue research because of my research background in the lab. And I was really drawn to uh, Dr. Von Hoff uh, as I as I heard about him, and as, as and especially after I, I met him, I actually met Dr. Von Hoff, who of course now we all call Dan, uh, when he did his pancreatic cancer uh, pro, uh, research program through the American Association of Cancer Research back in Lake Tahoe ten years ago, and I was really struck by the fact that this was a person who was able to bring science to the bedside of individuals with cancer in such a way that I did not see before. And once I saw his presentation, I I knew then there I had to work with this gentleman. And that's what led me to Arizona.
0: That's awesome. So let's talk about this study um, that the results are being published now. I'm so excited to to hear the results. Can you explain a little bit more and go into how the study got started?
1: So, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll be happy to go over uh, the details of the study, but the big thing about this study is that it comes from research and that research is driven by support. Uh, The, the initial study that this originated from was a, a, a study that looked at a combination chemotherapy regimen of two drugs that, then eventually became FDA approved, gemcitabine and NATPACLitaxol. And that was looked at in pancreatic cancer and that was supported by the Magowitz, the Cena Magowitz Foundation. And that was a big milestone as far as getting a combination looked at in pancreatic cancer that was well tolerated, but also improved in overall survival. And individuals were now living with advanced pancreatic cancer for not just a few months, but getting to a two-year milestone and a three-year milestone. So that was the genesis of this study. And what this, what this study built upon with that, that you'll see, is that it the addition of various agents led to a greater chance of that response of this, this combination regimen. But it all started off initially with that, that small study That was done in support through the Magowitz Foundation to take a good idea based upon great science in the lab and bring it to people, and then leading to even better outcomes as we've seen responses go from the single digits to the 20% range to the 30% range to the the 70% range and now 80% plus. stage four pancreatic cancer
0: well that's so exciting to hear and that's the whole heart behind why we do what we do you know all of our funding is going toward research and so i'm really excited for our supporters and this audience listening today to really get to understand that in a deeper way so let's get into it
1: all right and i'm I'm excited and honored to share this with you all today um, this is a study that we are that we prese- are presenting at the American Association of Cancer Research pancreatic cancer conference. Uh, it's a virtual conference being held at September 29th to 30th of 2021. This is this the title of this the talk, which is a oral presentation at the conference, is a phase two pilot trial of nivolumab plus albumin-bound paclitaxel plus paracancetol, plus cisplatinum, plus gemcitabine, otherwise known as NAPCG. And your audience may also be aware of the other phrase that was no- noted as the grand slam. Uh, this study was conducted in, in patients with previously untreated metastatic pancreatic ductal and These are my disclosures. Uh, just for the audience to be aware of, uh, every talk We're always transparent with disclosures as far as our relationships, whether it's a consulting role or uh, talking to a drug company and also the grants and research that's been um, given to our institution. Um, And again, because this is a clinical trial, I'm going to talk about a clinical trial of these drugs together. So as I mentioned before, Earlier, there um, has been a lot of work done over the years, and again, this is a testament to all of that support. All the years of starting off with improving on gemcitabine chemotherapy as a single agent for advanced pancreatic cancer, and moving to the combination of gemcitabine, net and nab and then. And then most recently that was a study that was published last year in in the Journal of Gem Oncology is the combination of gem cybine, napaclitaxel, and cisplatinum. So this study builds upon that. It also builds upon the findings that we understand through our colleagues in the lab that have looked at vitamin D and how that can be involved with treating pancreatic cancer. So this initial study that uh, that this that this presentation builds upon, and, and this combina- this five drug combination builds upon, was initially a study that was published last year in uh, the journal Jam Oncology, the Journal of Medical Association, and this was led by my colleague Gail Jamison, who many of in the audience may may know about too. Uh, this was a combination trial with albumin valent paclitaxel plus gemcitabine plus cisplatinum. And again, this is for for individuals with stage four advanced pancreatic cancer. And we initially ran this trial as a phase 1b slash phase 2 clinical trial. And for those that, that may not know, when we talk about a phase 1b clinical trial, what we're talking about is combining medications together that may already be in use in other situations. So this was the first time that we looked at gemsibine and albumin valum paclitaxel with cisplatinum in pancreatic cancer. So this is a a figure from that paper, and what what it shows on the left side is the tumor size of these individuals with stage four pancreatic cancer. And as you can see, most of these individuals' tumors shrink. And that line right there that, that says PR denotes a meaningful decrease that we know relates to an improvement in survival. So that 30% decrease is very, very meaningful. And what we mean by that is that we're looking at not only where the cancer is in the pancreas itself, but also throughout the body. And so what we saw in, these, in this trial is that we saw a response rate of 71%. We saw individuals that had shrinkage, and we actually saw a couple of individuals where we could not see cancer anymore on their CT scans. We could not see cancer in in the in their lungs or in their in their liver or in their pancreas, and also their their cancer markers were also completely normal. The other thing that we also saw in in this trial is that we saw a one year survival rate of 64%. So pushing on the notion that, goodness, you have stage four pancreas cancer, there's no hope. These are people that are living to one year and and plus beyond that.
0: That's incredible.
1: Now, we're never satisfied. Um, We would like to see that response rate. We would like to see every single person do well. Building upon this, looking at other ways to make this chemotherapy, this treatment for advanced pancreas cancer better. So this was work that was published a few years ago in a major scientific journal called Cell. And this was led by our colleagues at the Salk Institute. Uh, This was Dr. Sherman. Back then she was a postdoctoral student, and now she has her own lab in University of Oregon. And led by her mentors, Dr. Michael Downs and Dr. Ron Evans, and what they were looking at was how vitamin D can interact and be a, uh, a driver for pancreatic cancer itself. And what's interesting on the left side, this is a you know uh, it's a very busy slide, but on the left side, um, what we see is utilizing vitamin D in, in cancer cells and pancreatic cancer cells. It seems to affect a lot of different parts of how these cancers work, how they grow, and how they interact with their environments. When someone says vitamin D or a vitamin doesn't really do anything, that's not true. We know that vitamins do do things in our body. That's why they're so essential. That's why people take multivitamins and we check for deficiencies. But the activation of the vitamin D receptor in these cancer cells did a lot of positive things against the cancer itself. On the right side is a figure that if you give chemotherapy alone in in these animals with pancreas cancer, you get some level of the chemotherapy in the tumor itself. But when you add vitamin D in addition to gemcitabine chemotherapy, we actually get a lot more of the chemotherapy in the tissue. And so that tells us is that adding vitamin D can allow a greater improvement in the chemotherapy into the cancer. It actually affects those cancer cells directly. So outside of this effect, we also saw that a lot of these cancer cells also changed in a way that appeared to allow our immune system to to go into the cancer. Pancreas cancer is very difficult because it likes to surround itself. uh, We call it a cocoon, the scar that makes it very difficult to get chemotherapy into it, to get the immune system into it. We know that like a lot of other cancers out there, this cancer also likes to put the brakes on our immune system. And that's what, when you hear the word, PD1 or PDL1, that's what that means. This was a publication a few years ago too that that demonstrated that most pancreatic cancers have these breaks on them too. So we, we think about PD1 and how those antibodies work in lung cancer or skin cancers like melanoma, but they are there in pancreatic cancer. The problem is, is getting the immune system to go into the tumor over that resistance. So we embarked on this trial where we, we took these combination, the combination of albumin-bound Paclitaxel, cisplatinum, and gemcidine chemotherapy, and we added a vitamin D medication called paricalcitol, and also the PD-1 inhibitor, nivolumab. And uh, a lot of the members of the audience may know of it of, called OPTIVO, and it's already approved in other types of cancers. So we took this combination in individuals who previously were untreated with metastatic pancreatic cancer. Our primary objective was to determine, does this combination work? Um, what is the shrinkage rate? What is the chance of preventing this cancer from growing? And what is the survival? How long are people living with this combination? And this regimen itself, is, it's a very... Um, you can look at this slide and you can think this is very complicated. Uh, the way that we like to break this down is that the chemotherapy itself is given once a week for two weeks in a row. and the third week, there's no chemotherapy. Within this whole regimen, that's, that's three weeks out of a six-week cycle. So the total regimen was a six-week cycle, meaning that every time someone came in, this is the days of their treatment. And so some, some weeks they came in once a week, some weeks they actually came in two, if sometimes three days that week. And we combined all these, all these therapies together and started off at these dosing For these various treatments this slide demonstrates our makeup so to speak of the individuals who participated the average the median age was 63 we had some individuals as young as 42 and as old as 77 that that took this combination Um, as an aside we are seeing more and more younger individuals with pancreatic cancer. And I know Miranda, you've talked about uh, the importance of genetics and being aware of your family history. And so that's why it's important because we do see individuals in their 40s and 50s now with pancreatic cancer. In the past, we used to think that you were in your 60s or older with dealing with pancreatic cancer. We saw an equal opportunity offender in, in males versus females those that participated. This on the left, this this score that says KPS is a very important score. It's called Karnofsky performance uh, status. What that means is it's a scale. Uh, 10% is someone who's very, very weak and ill. And 100% means that that individual, it, it doesn't even seem like they have cancer. So they're a very active individual. For most studies that we do and that we recommend for individuals receiving therapy, we want them to be relatively active, 70% or higher. What that tells us, too, is that they're able to handle these types of treatments in general. We also looked at something called CA99, and that's a a very common cancer marker for pancreatic cancer. Uh, The reality, though, is that not everybody has a CA99 level, and so we had to use other blood tests to try to assess their cancer. And it's also why we're looking at other ways to detect pancreatic cancer through other blood tests that are in development. And the area of the, the cancer itself was denoted here. And again, all these individuals had confirmed stage four pancreatic cancer, meaning that the cancer was beyond the pancreas and someplace else in their body, usually the liver, but sometimes the the peritoneum which is the abdomen and sometimes the lung. This slide right here is a summarization of the side effects. And what we saw in this particular study is a lot of individuals had issues with their their blood counts. Uh, We, check for things such as your hemoglobin levels that relates to anemia that can lead to a lot of fatigue. So we look out for that. We also look for things such as the white blood cells, which we do not see thankfully in a major way in in this particular combination because we protected these individuals by giving them a a shot to prevent their white blood cells from going too low. And we did see a lot of individuals deal with low platelets, and no one really cares about platelets or feels platelets, but usually you can tell that you're having low platelets if you start seeing bruising easily or you start seeing that you're having bleeding in your nose or elsewhere. So we, we, we were looking for these things, and those were the most common things that we saw.
0: I have a question on that slide. Yes. Is, um, are, were those side effects relatively similar to uh, a typical treatment side effects?
1: Marina, that's a great question. So, the these side effects that we saw in this particular study were very similar to when we looked at gemcitabine, albumin-bound paclitaxel, and cisplatinum together. So, we really didn't see extra side effects per se on based upon this combination. With that being said, this slide does drill down to looking at what are the effects with the immune therapy? So something like a nivolumab, or a lot of people are also familiar with something called pembrolizumab or Keytruda. Those types of immune therapy medications can sometimes cause our immune system to act up. When we talk about things such as grade one and grade two side effects, those are relatively very, very mild meaning that you can usually take simple, straightforward medication, usually something that a physician can prescribe to you by mouth that will just make it go away very quickly. So the most common side effect that, that we saw was, was a rash, but most individuals did really well with this because we were able just to give them a cream that would make the rash go away. And thankfully, it, it didn't get worse for most individuals. When we talk about something in the setting of a grade three side effect, those are more serious side effects. Those are side effects that are likely leading to hospitalization. So when we use the phrase colitis, we're talking about intense inflammation of the stomach and the colon. And the best way to treat that is to have someone come into the hospital and give them steroids to make their immune system quiet down. Some of those individuals you hear about that sometimes, especially this um, this this day and age about um, I- immunity. Uh, when someone gets a vaccine, sometimes you do get a reaction to a vaccine. Sometimes your immune system does act up. And so this treatment can sometimes make the immune system act up, which in one way can be good against the cancer, but it can also attack your own body. So overall, the reactions to the immune system were quite rare as far as the serious, as serious effects went. So this table summarizes the response. Uh, going back to the other, our other study that I showed, we did see one individual with a complete response. Uh, we ended up looking at 32 individuals with stage four pancreatic cancer. Uh, These individuals had at least a initial CT scan, a CAT scan, and a follow-up CT scan. And so one of the individuals actually had disappearance of their cancer. Most individuals had shrinkage of their cancer and shrinkage in that way of 30% or more. So we actually had a response rate of 84%, which was higher than our prior study that we had published on in NGMA Oncology in
0: 2020.
1: That's an exciting number. It's very exciting. And what we saw was that we saw most individuals have tumor shrinkage. This is a similar to the other study about looking at the cancer size and how much these cancers shrunk. And this is a waterfall plot of looking at all those individuals with stage four pancreatic cancer and demonstrating the fact that most of these individuals' cancers shrunk in a meaningful way. So very exciting to see that and to reset our expectation of these individuals should respond to this therapy. For those individuals that did have a elevated tumor marker and elevated ca nineteen nine blood test, that we would check throughout the treatments, again, most of those individuals had a significant shrinkage of that tumor marker. And that's also important too, because some people come in with a very high c 9 In the past, we used to get very concerned about those individuals. But what we're showing here in this study is that most of those individuals had a significant shrinkage decrease of their c 9 levels. And many of those individuals had a complete normalization of their CA99, meaning that they had a high level initially, and it went down to normal during the study itself. We actually saw for those 26 individuals that had an elevated CA99 level, that 10 of those became completely normal during the treatment. And again, what that tells us is that the therapy is really affecting the cancer in a meaningful way. And one thing that we saw uh, that a, a, a waterfall plot may not be able to demonstrate is those effects on these scans. On the left side here is a CT scan of someone initially diagnosed with pancreatic cancer on the study. And in the, in the dark areas right here are those cancers in that person's liver. So the liver should look mostly like this area right here but these dark spots are all cancer. This individual also underwent a PET scan, and many of your audience knows that PET scan is looking at activity of the cancer itself. And the cancer itself was very, very active initially throughout their liver, just as you can see on the CAT scan. After a few rounds of therapy, we saw most of these cancers go away. Here's one residual tumor lesion out of all the other ones that were initially there. On the PET scan too, what was so active before is no longer active in that liver. We also saw that in very difficult situations historically. So usually when when the cancer is in the abdomen, sometimes you you hear the word peritoneum or mesentery or or omentum, but when they're in the abdomen, historically, That's been a very difficult and poor prognosis. But we saw those individuals that had the cancer in the abdomen, their tumors would go away, and we could no longer see them on a CAT scan. And on a PET scan too, those very tumors that were active and visible were no longer any different than the regular cells in the abdomen.
0: It's so exciting to to be able to visually see it yeah
1: and it's certainly um it's always a an a, um, incredible blessing to share that with people and, and i and i always share in that joy and happiness whenever we can see that for people the uh, progression free survival what that means is is when you start a treatment how long do you stay on that therapy and how long does that therapy affect the cancer from growing. So pancreas cancer, as as everyone knows, tends to grow very quickly. And this is a plot of the median progression-free survival. So uh, out of all the individuals, the median progression-free survival is 8.6 months. So we're getting closer to a year now. The overall survival was getting closer to is getting closer to two years. So again, people hear about pancreatic cancer, they they see their they may see their 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 doctor, they may get on the internet and they may read a a bunch of difficult things about pancreatic cancer. And historically it's been a very difficult cancer. But the fact that we're seeing studies now where the median overall survival is well beyond what people usually get told is also very exciting. So this study had a mean overall survival of 19.2 months. I will say that some of these individuals are still alive and with us today. And to that point, we're looking at those milestones. We're looking at that one-year survival, but now we're looking at two-year survival, looking at three-year survival. And this is still ongoing information because we do have, thankfully, a few individuals with us today that participated in the in this study initially. But we're now seeing that survival rate of one year 71.9%, two year getting close to 20%, and the three and starting to look at three year survival of a stage four pancreas cancer patients. The other thing that's very important with all this, too, is what else can we learn from from all this what can we do better we're happy about this study but we also want to learn as much as possible we want to see if there's something that we can understand on why certain individuals do so well versus certain individuals not doing so well that's where research comes comes full circle so you take the the science in the lab you bring it to people and then you take information, you take samples, you take tumor tissue, you take blood, and you bring it back to the lab. And your intention is to see what's going on. What can you learn from that? And how can you help people better? So this is, we were fortunate to collaborate with an investigator, a physician investigator at Mass General, his name is Dr. David Ting. And Dr. Ting is very interested in trying to categorize these cancers. And he's looking at a way to classify these cancers into aggressive or relatively non-aggressive cancers. And we're trying to understand right now, why does one person do well versus the other? Believe it or not, there was actually some uh, early studies that, that that, that were showing that Vitamin D stimulation may be very bad for people with uh, certain types of cancers. And so we looked into that. We were looking into something called the epithelial cells of these cancers and the mesenchymal cells of these cancers. And mesenchyme, one, if you can take one take home message, mesenchyme is much more aggressive. So that's bad. So when you hear the word mesenchyme for cancer, you think, Gosh, that's very, very aggressive. What's interesting, though, is that despite looking at these individuals that had more of a mesenchyme-based cancer, they still responded just as well as those that did that had a less aggressive cancer. So, so this this combination trial benefited everybody, and so that was important to note because. We were concerned about, geez, does, does vitamin D, is it not for every single person? But we really did not see that. So we saw that every individual, whether they had epithelial or mesenchymal-based cancer, did respond to this treatment. The work is still ongoing, as we're getting more samples out to Dr. Ting's lab and looking at other things too. But that's part of what we're trying to understand with all of this information, to better optimize this treatment. There's a lot of other things that we're looking at too. We're fortunate in the fact that we have a lot of colleagues both near and far. Colleagues at TGen, Dr. Highlander, who's looking at the microbiome. Your audience knows about how important diet and nutrition is. Well, so is our digestive tract. Our stool may tell us answers about how the bacteria is made up that may relate to better treatment outcomes. So we're looking into that. We don't know. So we're looking into that. We collected those stool samples from individuals that were on this study. We're also looking at quality of life. People make the assumption that, goodness, you're you're giving me chemotherapy, you're making me come into the office. We're looking at that information through a couple of really important tools with my colleague Gail Jamison at Honor Health. And we're also looking at other ways to classify these cancers the basal and classical subtyping that your audience I know knows about through Dr. Ye's work at University of North Carolina. And the whole purpose of this is, can we take something from this and translate that to the the individuals for future studies to do better for for everybody, for more people. So in summarization, this combination This five drug combination that that we call the Grand Slam showed an 84% response rate in individuals with previously untreated stage four metastatic pancreas cancer. This work has also led to looking at vitamin D. Uh, There's currently a study that's being uh, finished across the pond in, in the United Kingdom at Bart's Cancer Institute by our colleague, David Proper. He's looking at what happens with chemotherapy and with Gemsibine and napaclitaxel, if their is growing, adding vitamin D treatments to isolate the effect of vitamin D itself. There's some encouraging information and all I can tell you guys is stay tuned. You'll, you'll hear about that in the near future next year. There's also work being conducted by our colleagues at Dana-Farber, by Dr. Brian Wolpen, where he's looking at a trial from the beginning where some individuals are getting gemsibine and napaclitaxel, and some of those individuals are actually being randomized to either placebo or that vitamin D medication, pericalcitol. And the purpose of that is, again, to see the difference, the effect of vitamin D compared to chemotherapy alone. And what we're also interested in doing is also bringing this regimen that has such a high response rate in advanced pancreatic cancer to individuals with localized pancreatic cancer. We feel that we have a chance to do even better for those individuals as they're dealing with localized pancreatic cancer. So folks that are surgeons can can offer these individuals a better long-term outcome where they can truly beat this cancer. Above all else, we ha- we are so grateful for all the individuals that participate in this study, uh, the families that are there with them, you know, the fact that we were able to present this at this cancer conference so, Everyone can hear about this and share the data and publish the data is so valuable. It takes, a, it, it takes, truly takes several villages really to do something like this. And so we have places at here in, in Arizona at Honor Health and TGen and Imaging Endpoints, but also our colleagues at, in, in Massachusetts, University of Arizona, and the Salk and the Mayo Clinic all these people working together for this particular study. Again, as I mentioned before, there is no way you can do something like this without that support. A study like this takes a lot of effort and a lot of support and really led by the Cena Magus Foundation and mattress firm to move this forward. So I certainly appreciate the opportunity to to share this uh, with with you, Miranda, and, and your and your wonderful audience today. And and hopefully, um, to me, the message is, we're working hard on this and things are getting better.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Borzansi, for walking us through that. I wanna ask you, what is it like to finally be able to publicly share the results of this study?
1: Well, it's, it's really exciting um there's been a lot of data over the last couple years and um, pancreatic cancer is a tough difficult cancer and a lot of data that's been out there last couple years um, has been tough to see we've we've seen some great ideas go to a big trial and we we don't see the outcomes that we want to see which is collectively we all want to see individuals do better and better with pancreatic cancer So I'm excited to share this. I'm excited that to get this out there. um, my, My hope and intention that this spurs even not only greater interest in the cancer itself, but also more research into this. As I mentioned before, there's so many questions to ask. There's so many things to look at with pancreatic cancer. And by showing that we have options for pancreatic cancer and what can we learn from this, my hope that further studies do come about because of this study.
0: Well, Dr. Borzansi, we appreciate your time. We know that you're a busy man and involved in a lot of things. So thank you for walking us through all of this so in depth. And um, is there anything that we missed? Anything else you wanted to add?
1: Uh, Just thank you.
0: Well, thank you. We appreciate all the work that you've done and, and all the lives that you're able to impact. So uh, we appreciate you being here. Thank you to all of our listeners. Um, If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe and share it with someone that you think might enjoy it as well. Um, A lot of great content like this, we keep bringing uh, through this podcast. So uh, if you want to find out how you can get more involved or find more details on this study, you can visit our website at cinamagowitzfoundation.org. Thank you guys for listening. Have a wonderful day.